Thanks for checking out the weekly Harmony Church podcast. For more information and resources about Harmony Church or any of the Harmony events, check out the Harmony Church website or Harmony Church Facebook page today. We'll start with something funny and I heard about this professor and he was going to prove to his students that there is no God. He said, God, if you are real, knock me off this platform. I'm giving you 15 minutes to do it. With every minute that went by, he taunted God. God, I'm still here. I'm waiting. In the last minute, a 300-pound rugby player walking down the hallway overheard what he was saying. He took off running towards the professor, full blast, put his shoulder down, and saw him flying off the platform. The professor got up, dazed, and he said, what in the world did you do that for? The rugby player replied, God said he was busy, so he sent me. (laughs) I tell you something, God is busy, and he sent us, amen? Come on, he sent us, you know, to... Anyway, that's the sermon, so I don't know. So, so awesome, guys. Last week, we uh, finished the 21 days of prayer and fasting worship, and it was kind of like a little bit, a, um, it was kind of a little bit like a setup, because we don't want to finish it. We're going to keep it going. It's amazing, isn't it? Now, you don't have to fast the whole time. And the whole, it wasn't even about fasting. It was really about you spending time with Jesus. It's for you taking time to sometime in your week, because we're so filled with stuff these days, particularly social media, for you to take time and get a habit into praying every day, spend some time with God, whatever, whenever. And that's the whole point. So we keep doing this, I hope, in your life. Uh, the whole goal is that we have some time that we, that we, that we grow in our intimacy with Christ, that we grow in our, in our time with the Holy Spirit, that we abide in Him. Jesus, when you abide in me, then you'll have lots of fruit and you'll, you'll be happy in your life and all this kind of stuff. So we want to learn to abide in Him, spend time with Him, be intimate with Him. And from that place of presence, we start living our lives. Often we just go ahead really fast, you know, in our lives and say, God, be with me. And the angels can't even keep up with you, you know? The thing is, though, the other way around, let's, let's say, God, I want to live from your presence. That's what Jesus did. He did what he saw the Father doing. He was talking to God all the time to his daddy. He was always saying, we are also talking to our Father all the time, to the Holy Spirit who guides and leads us. So it comes from a place of presence. And if we have this time of presence, time and take time for the Holy Spirit, and we <clears throat> get in contact with him, it's amazing what starts to happen. Then the life that he pours into our lives starts to kind of go to other people's lives. My message today, I called it Pour It Out. Now, I was going to call it the outpouring, but we've already had the outpouring. Pour it out. And I'll tell you something, it's at the end of it, but I might as well give it at the beginning so you can meditate on it. I asked God yesterday, he said, give me a word for somebody. He says, he says, some people are like the Dead Sea. I said, what do you mean? He says, everything has been poured out into their lives, but they don't give anything out, so they're stagnant and they're dying. The thing is that all heaven has been poured out into your Holy Spirit. If you're a Christian here, the whole thing of the river behind your belly button, this amazing umbilical cord of the Spirit is there. It is ready to go. There's a river right there. But you can stop it. You can put a dam in the whole thing. You can stop it. If you don't give out, it dies. The Dead Sea is, doesn't, can't give out anything. So it comes in. I was there the other day. I mean, October. It, it's dead. You can float in it. The world is waiting for us, guys. The world is waiting for life givers who spend time with Jesus in their own lives and then give that life to other people. 
on the streets, amazing. And you'll see it again this, this week with Dave Balestri, and I was some words here too with, uh, with you, Tom Glenn, that whole, the whole next move of God, the whole new thing is really out in the marketplace, is out where you live in the workplace. It is actually you being the ambassadors for God. It is you doing the things of the Holy Spirit like Jesus did. There's no one else. There's no plan B. You are the plan. Say, I am the plan. You are, tell your neighbor, you are the plan. You know, we are the plan together, so that's the way this life gives us. And the whole world is waiting for this. We know in Romans 8, 19, the whole earth is groaning for the sons and daughters to be revealed. Come on. And I'm, on this, I'm kind of on, on this quest to see the church arise in a way that is so healthy and powerful and glorious and wonderful and beautiful. Because people deserve a wonderful expression of God. What they often see in the media is just so awful. Certain things in the media, of course, do that on, not even on purpose. But the thing is, though, you know what I mean? There's a, there's a devil behind the whole thing. And they don't really talk about the amazing churches that there are. The amazing things that are happening. Often in the media, there's the bad things that are happening. They portray, and so many people have some stereotyping about what Christianity is all about, what Christians are all about, what the church is all about. But I'll tell you something. Jesus is the desire of the nations. That's his name. Desire of the nations. It says in Haggai, do you know it's a book in the Bible? Have you read it lately, Haggai? Here we go, for thus says the Lord of hosts, one of you, Haggai 2. It is a little while, I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations, and they shall come to the desire of all nations. And I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. And the silver is mine, and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former temple, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, says the Lord of hosts. Jesus is the desire of the nations. And he's filled us with his glory. He's filled us with his presence. He's filled us with his Holy Spirit. In those days, it was the temple. It was filled with the glory of God. That's what Jesus, God lived. But in the New Testament, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We have been filled with glory. We have been filled with the power of God and the life of God. And he wants to flow it out. And so if he is desire of nations, then the church should be desire of nations, right? I'll make it more personal. Then you and I should be. Desire of nations should be desirable, desirable. This should be awesome, should be wow. If Jesus is the desire that everybody's looking for and we are the ambassadors of his life, we are his sons and daughters who look like him and we're filled with the spirit, then we should be desirable. Now my question to you is, how desirable are you? Serious, how desirable are you? I'm talking about as a Christian, where you live and where you do. I'm on a quest myself that I want, I want my life to count. And when I go talk some with the people, that when they are around me, they feel a lot better about themselves. Whatever stuff they're going through, I want people when, in my life that they are, I ooze the Holy Spirit. You know, the only place is going to be, you know, the only way it's going to happen? Not because of try harder, not because you've got a gift that I have of number one being positivity. Now, I'll be honest with you, it helps. But the thing is, though, it is when you spend time with God. And that was the whole point of this last month of spending time with the Holy Spirit. Because when you spend time with the Holy Spirit, you become like Him. I want a church that is so incredibly awesome. It is such a desirable place that everybody flocks to it. Where else would you go for perfect love, perfect peace, perfect joy, perfect power, perfect everything? That's what this church should look like. Now the church is not just a building. We are the gathering of the church. You are the church. I am the church. 
So we should be the most desirable, the most awesome, the most beautiful people that people ever come in contact with when they see you. Now this is a challenge, isn't it? But I think it's the Bible. It's very quiet in here, by the way. Very quiet in here. Desire of the nations. So awesome. And that's why it's so important, people, that we track with the Holy Spirit. We need to make sure that we track with the Holy Spirit and stay close. Like I said before, last couple of weeks, some of you, I mean, we're one spirit with Jesus Christ, right? When you're born again, you're one spirit with Him. You know, you're forgiven, you're holy, you're all this kind of stuff. It's beautiful. But here you are, here He lives in you, but it can be like a, a dorm somewhere, and it can be like He's your roommate, and He's only sitting on the other side of the bedroom in your heart, and you never talk to Him. Now, I know most of us will talk to Him, but I'm talking to, really talking to Him. I'm talking about having a relationship with him like a close you're actually talking to him you actually he becomes your life you talk to him all the time there's a flow of the holy spirit that is happening all the time in your life because then things start to happen i believe there's a shift coming there's a shift in my life already i know it because i've chosen to go there now i'm not there yet but i'm on a journey we're all on a journey but we're not going to let go of this journey amen we're going to go after this because there's a shift coming of us being go into the intimacy. Funny, isn't it? You've got to go into intimacy to go out to see the, the nation saved. Amazing, isn't it? You need presence, and then we go purpose. But they're both. And you can't really move in your purpose if you're really not going to presence. So it's very important. Hear my heart, please, this morning. It has to be. There has to be a shift coming into the church in this way. We cannot stay the same. The world deserves more. Jesus died. He gave his life for the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. It is love. Love. Let's see, deserve more. That's why I love this prophetic word from Apostle Hudson that he was talking about us finding a new intimacy with God, he says. He says there's a deep shift that is happening in many people in this church, also around the city, an aligning of God, a new hunger in him, a new hunger for his word, a new hunger for his presence, a new hunger for him, a yearning for him. And I've had this, and some of you guys have had the same. And the thing is, what happens is you become more beautiful because you start looking more like him. I mean, you've been in his presence, a bit like Moses, but that was the Old Testament, glowing, you know. Says so your wife, man, you're glowing today. Why is my wife not sitting there? I like, oh, you're sitting over there. I like to always take the mickey out of you, darling. And if you know, over there, I feel insecure. I feel a bit insecure. My wife is gone. I feel like, where's my anchor, you know? My anchor has moved. Darling, you're here. Bless you. <laughs> We love you. I mean, I love you, but we love you too. You know? <clears throat> Deep aligning in the Holy Spirit. <laughs> when we have this yearning for the Holy Spirit, when we have this yearning for His presence, it's amazing how God will start to lead us into His purposes for our lives, our family, for your job, for your life, for our church, for our city, for our nation. Everything starts to align when we do this stuff in Him. And that's why God is reviving us. And I told about it last week, but not everybody was here, and you need to hear it twice anyway. God is reviving us, and he's saying to us, wake up. I'm glad some of you, whoa. We're in church. I thought it was a white people's church. Now it's a black people's church. Wake up. We're excited about life. Hey, come on. I love this. I'm a, I was in T.D. Jake's church, man, a couple of years ago. I thought that's where God lives, in T.D. Jake's church, man. That's like, whoa, but I can't preach like a black person. I can't. I wish I can. Maybe you can teach me. I know, this is awesome. I mean, they're so excited about God. 
They're so excited about God. It's oozing out. I remember walking into TDZ. It's not in my notes. But talking, we had time, actually. We've got time, though. We had no time. No, like I said, TDJ. I was in TDJ's church. And this big, big black guy comes to me. It's actually quite scary. It's like a massive guy, you know, comes to me. And it gives me a massive, I'm the chief hugger around here. Massive guy, you know. And there's a whole bunch of them. Before you even get into the auditorium, you know, this massive guy give you a massive, and then the choir that just won a Grammy Award, they was paying the praise of God. Everybody is standing on the chairs, 5,000 people going crazy. Well, that's my kind of church. That's my kind of church. Sorry, this guy kind of church. Anyway, I've tried for 10 years now to get a bit of it into the whole thing, and some people, uh, you know, get excited about God, and, and, and some of us are still quite white, and uh, that's okay. That's okay. Revival will come. Revival will come, even for white people. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Just put your hand on your head. Say, revival will come. Revival will come, Lord, in my life. Revival will come to the world. in Jesus' name. Did you see a church the other day in Nigeria? There's a church of a million people. Did you see it on my Facebook? I saw somebody send it to me. This, you, you drive with a car, like for a long time. That's the church. It's like a tent, you know, a million people. So we're building a bigger one over there. Five million people. Five million people! There's more people that live in New Zealand in one church. Now, that's pretty cool, you know. I think, oh, that's where God lives, you know. This is unbelievable, you know. It's like absolutely amazing. Now, anyway, revival, guys. Reviving. God wants to revive us. Uh, reviving means a restoration of life, vigor, and strength. We need it. The world out there needs it. All of us need restoration to life, vigor, and strength. I love the other words. Quickly again. Last week I did the same, but listen to it again. This is fun because it's a process. Look at this. Resurgence, recovery, rejuvenation, reestablishment, reintroduction, restoration, reappearance, resurrection, resuscitation, relaunch, reinvestment, Renewal, regeneration, revivification, rebirth, regeneration, reanimation, renaissance. All the words that have to do with revival, reviving me, reviving us as a church. I love these words. And non-rewords are these ones. Awakening, advance, upswing, comeback, betterment, improvement, picking up. Man, I need some picking up at times. Come on. It's not just a coffee to pick up. Some of you have left the coffee behind after this 21 days of prayer and fasting. Praise Jesus. I let go of coffee 21 years ago. You don't need coffee. It's a drug. Some of you guys just leave the church. My pastor doesn't believe in coffee. I'm leaving this church. You drink whatever you want. In the Bible, you can even drink poison. Nothing will happen to you. So don't, don't do that, by the way. But, uh, you know. It says that nothing will harm you. So, I mean, you can, whatever you do, you know, do whatever. But the thing is, though, you know, it's the thing of God wants to revive you. You don't need coffee to be revived, man. Come on. You need the Holy Spirit to revive you. The Holy Spirit is life. It is a legal intoxication. We were made for intoxication. Did you know that? It's a legal intoxication. Don't be filled with wine and spirits and stuff. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a similar thing. It's meant to be a similar thing. We need to, we need to have that life in us like an like a energizer bunny. We have this fire that is inside of us, this fire that is inside of us. It burns, it's powerful, it's glorious, but some of us don't even get in touch with it. I want to be in touch with it because I need it. I need it to fulfill my mission. I need it. I need to go there. We all need to go there. The church needs to go there. There is no other choice. Amen? So I said, Lord, revive us so we can revive other people. It is time to go. It is not, not a time for sleep. It is not a time for slumber. It is not a time for resting. You can rest when you die. I'm serious, you can rest when you die. Some of our friends are de dead now. And it's very sad. They have no race. We have our race right now. They've run their race. They went to Jesus. Well done, good and faithful servant. But now it's our race. 
And let's be faithful to the race God has given us because there's a harvest out there that God has given to us. And look, he's praying now for the laborers for the harvest. Now the laborers are not out there somewhere. Oh, we're paying these missionaries. They can be our laborers. No! We all are laborers in the, in, the, in the vineyard. This is what Jesus says. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness, every disease among the people. And when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sleep, sheep having no shepherd. And then he said this to, to his disciples, the harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. We've had a whole time of month of praying. Therefore pray, he says. Why are we praying? We're praying because the harvest is already here. Yes, the rain is coming. There's more rain coming. But the thing is, though, it's just kind of multiplying everything that you've already done. The harvest is already here. We're not waiting for the harvest. He's waiting for you. You need some rain. Right? They don't need the rain. We need rain. We need to pray for laborers. We need to pray for ourselves. Lord, thank you for empowering me. Thank you for reviving me. Thank you for strengthening me. Thank you, Lord, for giving me a vision. Thank you, Lord, that you're breaking my heart with compassion for what breaks your heart. That's what we need to do. I love the slogan that we have. Our slogan in this church is passion for God, compassion for people. And I was thinking about this yesterday. I thought, man, this is exactly what I'm talking about this morning. Passion for God. The first thing is always God. We live from this place of presence. And when we do, we have compassion for other people. If you're not filled with the love of God, you cannot love other people. You can try for a while, you will run dry. When we are filled with the love of God, it pours out into your life all the time. Make sure you have self-care, all this kind of mentor you move it. Then amazing what comes out of your life. It is so beautiful. And that's what I want in my life. Jesus was moved with compassion. Moved with compassion because the people looked like, like sheep without a shepherd. What a great New Zealand analogy. Right? There's running everywhere, no shepherd, you know, that kind of stuff. They need, they're scattered, they're weary. You watch the news lately? They're scattered, they're weary, they're in pain. It's not good. We have goodness that we can give to them. We have food that we can give to them. And God is empowering to do this at this time. You know, it's amazing when you start praying like this and when you start seeking God and when you start putting Him first in your life, it's amazing that all your priorities change. Your focus changes. Everything, even your heart changes. And you are moved with compassion on other people. You know, I had just a little thing this week, but I think it's a direct response of what God has been doing in my life the last month or so. I was ministering here and talking actually to one of our leaders in my office. And, oh, I start to feel it right now. Well, I said, I felt, I felt the pain of this person. Now, I don't often feel that. Others do. Intercession people, you know, really, you know, they feel the pain of them. They pray into it, which is awesome. I don't often feel that. I was overwhelmed. I started to cry, man, right in front of him. And I said, I know. I mean, I feel your heart. I feel the pain in your heart. And he starts to cry. And then we minister to each other. And then well, God, you know, and the next day the same thing happened. But the thing is, though, I'm interesting because I've been crying lately a lot. I think I told you last week. You know, I'm crying when, of course, when people die. Naomi died this week, the, the, the daughter of Max, and Max Palmer, you know, the one we prayed for last Sunday night. And we don't understand. It's one of those other mysteries, same as Phil. It's one of those mysteries we don't understand. But, but I don't even know Naomi, but I know Max. I know the dad. And I just straight away when I heard, you know, because I've been praying for her every morning in my, in my communion every morning. There's five people I pray for, 
in cancer. And uh, for now, for, for the last half a year, year. And so I've had a relationship with her in the sense of I'm praying for her. And I just burst out crying. I said, man, I'm coming a sook these days, you know, like, you know. And, and, but the thing is, though, I, the thing is, though, what is so cool, you know, about this whole thing is that even in this, this tough world here, in particular with guys, you know, we can't cry and all this nonsense, you know. The thing is, though, why can't we be in touch with our feelings in, in the most profound way that we can actually cry, really, with those who are hurting and are crying, and then we can laugh, because I also laugh. I go crazy with laughter, too. I love that, too. But you can do both. It's not weird. It's human. It's good to both cry and to laugh. Remember, there's a time to cry. There's a time to cry. All kinds of stuff. So I'm actually getting in touch. Even as I spend time with the Holy Spirit, I think it's a direct result that I'm allowing myself to even show emotion in my life. And I want to encourage this to you, that you can show emotion in your life, even your guys. Cry when you have to cry. When you feel something for somebody. It was the Holy Spirit who was speaking to me. I felt his compassion for this man. But you can do the same. But you can't do the same if you're not even on, that, on his wavelength. You can't just go through life like 100 miles an hour or whatever is helping you. Spend time with God. The stuff that happened this week, you know, I can't say the whole story, but it was particularly one occasion. One of our elders here in church had a word of, over somebody and, and didn't even know who it was. He said, I need to go to that person. And they found him. And it was really hard to live far away and in the rain and blah, blah, blah. Didn't know anything. But one of us, I need to give something. They gave flowers and chocolate or something. They went to the door. Hello, who are you? I don't know, but, you know, they met each other. And then the person says, he says, God wants to tell you that he loves you. And he's got everything under control. Now, you didn't know that at that time, it was such a perfect time for that person because somebody had left the country, a very dear friend of hers, and something else had happened too. It was an amazing moment there of encouragement because one person in this church was actually sensitive to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is saying to them, go to that person because he needs my, she needs my encouragement right now. That is the church. That's what I want to see in my life. That's what I love to see in all of our lives. And that's why prayer, guys, is so important. And not just giving up on prayer where you get discouraged or things are not working out for your life. And that's why we saw last week that in James, uh, James 5, that James actually uses the example of Elijah. Just quickly there, he says in James 5, the effective, fervent prayer of the righteous person avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Now the thing is though, this is New Testament. James uses the example of Elijah, that he is praying fervently and constantly, and not giving up of what God wants to do, and the purposes of God, what he has for him and for the nation of Israel. Now fervent, that word is a beautiful word, because it means praying with a passionate intensity. Well, I love that. Praying with a passionate intensity. Everybody say, passionate intensity. That's wonderful. There's so much power that is released when we pray with a passionate intensity. Things move, things change, things happen in our lives. And that's why James used the example of Elijah because he prayed passionately, fervently for a long time for this rain to stop, for the drought to stop. Elijah's passionate, unrelenting prayer changed that nation of Israel at that time. I tell you something, our prayers will change our nation. When we start praying, when we start seeking God, when we start 
going into this place of intimacy with him, when we live from presence, it's amazing what God starts to do because he starts to tell us the strategies, what he wants. He gives the compassion for the people he wants to touch. All this kind of stuff is in the Holy Spirit. So when we pray, mighty things start happening in our lives. So don't underestimate the power of prayer and intimacy and life with God. So much happens when you pray, when you spend time with God. Amen? And don't let the enemy take you out. Don't let the enemy fool you that it's not worth it. It is absolutely worth it. And yes, when somebody doesn't get healed the way we thought, that's very sad. And there's a mystery around it. But you cannot give up. God is still good. He still has a purpose for our lives. Had a purpose for that person's life. We don't understand exactly. But we got to keep going. We cannot give up. Because that's exactly what the enemy would have us do. Be discouraged. The church is full of people who are disappointed, angry, and all this kind of stuff. Let it not be in our church. Please don't be angry at God. Please don't be disappointed in your life about other people. Give your power away to other people. They shouldn't make you sad. I've had several sad things happen this week in my life. Has it changed my, my love for God and my, my peace? No. Is it sad? Very sad. Am I angry? Absolutely I am angry. Angry is a, is, a, is, a, is a natural response of disappointment. I'm very sad about the whole situation. But is it going to change my vibe? Absolutely not. Yeah, I'm sad a little bit. But the Holy Spirit of me is powerful. He's awesome. So I want to stay in that place with Him. Because that's how I can cope with all your problems in the church. <laughs> now, the good thing is, you know, the good... It's, it's, I cry on Catherine's shoulder sometimes. Catherine, what, what are we doing, you know? But uh, I'm glad there's fewer and fewer problems in this church because people actually, when they go to God, then they don't come to me. And then God solves, that's awesome. Just go to God, don't come to me. <laughs> he's a much better counselor, he's a much better comforter, he's a much better, don't come to me, go to God. Anyway, now you can come to me if you really need to, that's fine. And, um, you know, <laughs> anyway, prayer, never doubt, never doubt. Never doubt, I'll do the scripture again because it's just so good. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish this stuff. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and your exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. Now, I tell you again, where do you get this constantly energizing you from? It is the Spirit. But again, I tell you, you need to be in touch with that Spirit because he's willing Remember the flesh is where the spirit is willing and the flesh is weak. The flesh doesn't want this stuff, but the spirit does. And so I suggest we on purpose find time with God and we see energizing stuff in our lives and then he will be greater than our greatest request. He will be more unbelievable than our most unbelievable dream and he'll be wilder than your most wild uh, imagination in this world. And so because Elijah was persistent and passionate, we see that he changed the nation and the drought was stopped and the rain came. 1 Kings 18, he says to Ahab, go up and eat for there's a sound of the abundance of rain. A sound of rain is coming. It was a prophetic declaration. He knew that God wanted to stop the rain, right? He knew that. Stop the drought and the rain coming. He knew that. And that's why he could say um, with boldness that the rain is coming. And the guy went up, there's a rain coming. No, not coming yet, not coming yet. Seven times. And the seventh time, little fish come and the rain coming. Oh, it's coming. It's right here. And then it just buckets down. 
and the whole drought is taken up. We see this here. The rain is, you know, has come like this in 48. Happened in the meantime that the sky became black with cloud and the wind and all this kind of stuff. So the rain is coming. So the rain is also coming in our lives. The rain is coming right now in our church. But you say, well, because wishful thinking it in. You think of revival and all this kind of stuff. You know, you talk about years and all that. You know, all this kind of stuff. How do I know it's coming? How do I know it's here? It's because Jesus says so. Because he said the harvest is ready. It's ready right now. It's always been ready. It's you and I have not been ready. So I suggest that we get ready and we pray for ourselves, you know, and see the harvest go. And that's why I love the 111 card. It's a little thing that we do. But I think it's good because it kind of pushes you into, i got to think about somebody else. Really? Yes, you do. And get somebody saved. Somebody in your family and bring him to one of these services. It's going to be absolutely amazing. Pray for somebody in the morning in your prayer time. Remember that whole thing, that habit that you have established now? That habit. Right there, pray for that person or pray for three persons who you think God should touch. In Acts 2, the outpouring came. This is what was spoken to the prophet Joel. And so come to pass in the last days, says God, that I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and the old men shall see dreams, dream dreams. And on my men's servants and on my maid servants, I'll pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. Uh, interesting, isn't it? I tell you, there's no life without the spirit. There's no power without the spirit. There's no ministry without the spirit. And it's poured out on everybody. This happened 2,000 years ago at Pentecost. But what I find very interesting in this scripture, look at this. That every time the Holy Spirit is poured out, there's prophecy. Every time the Holy Spirit is poured out, there's prophecy. There's dreams. There's visions. Now, why is that? Ever thought about it? It's because the Spirit always carries purpose. The Spirit always carries destiny. He's always onto something. He's always going somewhere. He's always on his quest of healing people and seeing things change and things, things developed. He changes us from glory to glory. So that's his gig. That's what he does. And so it's really powerful that we see here that the whole thing of the flowing of the Holy Spirit is prophesying. Prophesying is one of the most important things that we all should be doing and not just the 30 people who come to the prophetic night on a Monday night with Catherine. Special group, you know. Yeah, special group. I'm really proud of those people because they take it seriously. All of us should have been there. There's no telling off. I'm just saying to you, we are all called to prophesy. Prophesy is one of the most powerful things that you can ever do because what happens is, and Paul says that, anything else, prophesy. Please, everybody prophesy because you pull the gold out of people. You speak people into their destiny. You're always, because that's the Spirit's language. The Spirit's language is always pushing you forward. There's a sense of presence and purpose. He always goes into the presence and you get the things from God, dreams from God, because people need to see something. That's why you have visions and dreams, to see what could be. And then you catapult that and you go after that stuff. So God's always pulling us into, into community, always into intimacy to see the dreams and the visions and then to declare those things. For now, as if they were, even if they're not, as though they were. That's what he does because he's a creator God. He creates stuff all the time, whether it's helping somebody who's got a sore leg and want to heal him, or somebody with money, or somebody who needs a nice word, whatever it is, prophesy, speak. And that's what Elijah was doing right now. He is prophesying and prophesying the future and bringing the future into the now. I'm almost done, Catherine. You want to start playing maybe sometime? I'll tell you something. Some people ask me, what am I supposed to do in my life? I don't know. 
Just go and hear from God. Go into your special place. He'll tell you. Don't ask me. Ask him. Spend time with him. Spend time in his presence. That's very interesting. I was talking, listen, I happened to see this yesterday because, um, I don't know why, but I saw it. Uh, Bill Johnson, he uh, spoke about this little nugget that he talked about yesterday. I thought, man, that's exactly what I'm talking about. So I thought, I need to see this. And, and he talked about the hunger for God. And he talked about the hunger for the fire of God. And he says that 2019, he feels, is a year of a ref- refreshing, if you like, of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the baptism of fire. I thought, wow, that's so amazing. Right now with the hunger of God. He says that, that the dreams and the visions that we have, that he gives us, we cannot do them without the empowering of the Holy Spirit. We cannot do it. And so there's a sense of, hey, we need to kind of be in that place of spending time with God to be empowered to see everything that he has got for us. And so God is summoning us. He is summoning us into an encounter, into a continual encounter, not once in a while, a continual encounter as we encounter him and as we come into his presence. And it's absolutely powerful. Amen? There's two, there's two things um, Oh, and, and, of course, we see this in Acts, you know. The whole thing of the, of the chronology of, of the Bible is that it's first the Gospels, then it's Acts, and then it's the Epistles. And there's a reason why it is. Because you first got to go to the Gospels. First, Jesus has to die. You've got to accept Jesus Christ to be forgiven of your sin and be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes, of course, in Acts. But you can't do Acts, the Holy Spirit, to get to the Epistles. So how do I, on earth do I live this life? How do I love my wife, you know? And how do I, how do, I do whatever? Everything has to do in Romans, Ephesians, for all this kind of stuff. It's first Jesus, it's first presence, then it's an Acts, it's the Holy Spirit that comes. Jesus, wait for the Holy Spirit. Don't go into the world yet and heal the brokenhearted and, and see people. But don't go yet and start, wait on the Spirit. And the Spirit comes, boom, on Pentecost. Then they go out and amazing things happen. And then we see in, in, in the epistles how then to live your life. Now I find it very interesting that Bill was talking about this whole thing of both hunger and thankfulness. He says, if we have a hunger but have no thankfulness, then we'll be asking for the wrong things then we're asking for things that we're not ready for yet because we have not stewarded what he has given us and then the lack of thankfulness for what he's done already will be the proof of what's been going on and there's no, therefore no honor for that and therefore it can frustrate you but on the other side if you have thankfulness you're thankful for something but you have no hunger you become complacent and you start reminiscing of those glory days 30 years ago when Bob Fitz changed my life. And he did. I used to tour with him. It's amazing. It's a drummer. It's just amazing. And I can't wait to play with him in three weeks' time here, right here. But you can't you can be still there. Some people, some of you are still there. Oh, the glory days. You know, those things. And we become lazy because we're always looking back. We're always looking at those times enjoying the fruit of yesterday's sacrifice. And I suggest it's both and. We need a hunger and we need a thankfulness. And this will happen. This will help our growth. And then we will not be like the Dead Sea. We will not have only this thing coming into our lives and nothing is poured out. We have hunger for what God still wants to do. God gives us visions and vision, all this kind of stuff, for what He still wants to do. But we are so grateful for what He's done. Last week, nine people came to salvation in this church. Last week. I think 10 actually. Sorry, if you got all, all two Sundays and the youth, about 10, I think. 
That's amazing. So we are grateful. We're thankful for what God is doing in our lives. We're so grateful. And we always have this posture of honor and thank you. But we're also going for more. Because there's always more. That's why God gives dreams a vision. Because He wants the whole church saved. That's what the whole, uh, ah, church saved. That's, anyway, let's not go there. He wants the whole uh, the world saved, you know. I tell you, He needs some of the church saved, yeah. Don't worry, you're saved. If you love Jesus, you're saved. Don't worry. Unbelievable. And so we're coming to communion. And it's going to be, this is the time of celebration after this month or so of, of spending time with God. I just want to, we're coming to this table of presence, the presence of God that allowed us, Jesus going to the cross allowed us to have the Holy Spirit because He cleansed us. He made us holy and righteous forever. And that's why through the table we now have a relationship with God but also the table is also the table of purpose it is always presence and purpose at the same time and Jesus came so that God could fulfill his purpose and that we could fulfill ours two more scriptures two things in 1 John 3 we are told why Christmas happened and why the cross why Easter happened and why Jesus, the eternal divine Son of God, came into the world as a human being. One says, 1 John 3, 5, it says, You know that He appeared to take away sins, and in Him there is no sin. So the first reason Jesus came was to abolish sin. He was the sinless Lamb of God who was slain before the foundation of the world. He gave His life for sin that we might become the righteousness of God. What a beautiful thing. So we have that. The second thing what Jesus comes says here, 1 John 3, 8, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's works. Whoa, yes. Sorry about this. Freaking some people out. Just make sure he's still awake. <clears throat> he came to destroy the devil's work. Now the context here is, is sin. But the sin, you know, sin is sin. The big sin, the separation sin. Sin is missing the mark, right? And so many people have missed the mark. So many people are still living in this missing the mark. They don't have the joy. They don't have the peace. They don't have the life. They don't have all the stuff that God has come to give to us. And so the table also represents that, that He broke. His anointing, the Holy Spirit, breaks the yoke. It destroys bad habits. It gives us empowerment like I talked about before. It is the whole Isaiah 61 message. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He anointed me to bring good news, to bind up the brokenhearted, to bring release for the captives, to get people lost, people saved, joy instead of pain, all this kind of stuff. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence with us here right now. Father, we thank you for the outpouring that happened 2,000 years ago and still pouring right now. Lord, this river is never ending. We see this river in the beginning in the Garden of Eden and we see this river at the end in Revelation, this amazing river, the river of God. And those trees that are part of this river that are for the healing of the nations. And Lord, we're so blessed by you that we can be part of your mission to see healing for the nations, see healing to people's lives, our neighbors who are going through something hard or workmates or family. Father, I pray in these days that your spirit will be so real and so strong in our lives that we would see amazing miracles through our lives. Miracles of encouragement, of healing, of blessing, of incredible provision, financial, whatever. 
Father, we thank you that you're taking us to that place of intimacy with you so we can be this river flowing into the world. Lord, we're hungry for you. We honor your presence and we give you praise in Jesus' name.